Welcome back to Jake Rudolph. Thank you. Who was gone? I was. Who was gone I, from our lives for a week. I, I was. Did you miss me, even though I was behind the scenes for part of the show, as in before you went live? Yeah, I do think that tr- <laughs> trying to do a podcast while also monitoring the chat and being concerned with everyone's audio is, it makes it harder to just talk. <laughs> it yeah. makes it harder to deliver uh, cogent thoughts. Is so, this you giving me my flowers? Yeah. I mean, Thank I've always you. acknowledged that that is I hard. I know. Yeah. But but yeah, that was a, but also a big shout out to Patrick and Derek who came on. I'm glad that sometimes when we have, like when one of us is gone, it, it's hard to just both find someone and also have it be a show that's more than just like, all right, I'm glad we found someone. So, but I thought that that was, that went yeah. beyond that. So, yeah. I, I found some guys. time. Uh, once I got back, I was in Hawaii, uh, got my rest and relaxation before the season got going. Uh, but listen to the episode. It was really good. And I think you three really did a good job of conveying some of the news, talking about uh, essentially three things that you guys were looking forward to throughout the season. So it was a really fun show. If you're listening to this and have not listened to it yet, because maybe you're a Jake stand and wanted to just wait for me to get back. <laughs> Uh, go listen to it. Patrick and Derek did a fantastic job. So please go listen to that. They deserve it. Yeah, no, that was a ton of fun. But this week, I almost feel bad for those guys because this week we have a lot more to talk about. We do. And we randomly found more a minute yeah. before the show went live, basically. We, we stumbled onto something that is a little troubling. No, no one's really reported either. Yeah, so not breaking news necessarily, but breaking-ish news that you're going to get here. But uh, one thing I want to highlight before we proceed here is the fact that this is the last podcast we record for I don't know how many months without a Ducks game being played that isn't like a prospect game. Because the yeah. next time we record, there will have been preseason games. Yes. The which feels kind of crazy. Like if, Ducks if, Kings preseason game. The, the, the offseason always feels really long, especially when you're covering a team that has finished where the Ducks have finished. And yet, when it comes back, it feels like it's just it's coming out of nowhere. It's really weird. Yeah, it, it definitely does. The one thing I'm trying to figure out is, does that game on Sunday, and I'll try to find it and see if I can see anything on it, um, but if that game is going to be uh, broadcast or not, because sometimes you get these preseason games that are not. So it's just, y- you may be speaking too soon about this is the last I mean, time there will have been a wall. game. There will have fair, been a game. Fair, My statement fair, stands. Fair. But fair. it's just... Uh, yeah, the fact that we don't have to ask that question in 2023, almost 2024, it's just laughable. Yeah. But that's a different discussion for a different day. I think that we should just start right off the hop here with the fact that, once again, we are recording a podcast in which Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale are still not signed and are still not signed to their extensions. So yep. that sucks. I think yeah. just... Big picture, that sucks. We would rather have a contract to talk about. I think that these two sides would probably rather be done as well. I think these guys would probably rather be with the team. But it is what it is. And I think the big news of the last 48 hours is the fact that Pierre Lebrun reporting that the Ducks and and Trevor Zegers have agreed on the term. They've agreed to three years. Yeah. And so... Another layer to that, though, Renaud Lavoie, who is a uh, you know French-Canadian media journalist for TVA Sports, reporting, or at least saying, 
in, I mean, he is a reporter. He said this on a show that the Ducks are offering Trevor Zegras in the three to $4 million range. And so I want to add a couple caveats here. I just want to lay the groundwork. Pat Brisson is Trevor Zegras' agent. Pat yep. Brisson is one of the most influential agents in the business with ties in Quebec, with ties around the media. And there's always, there, you can always tell when a Pat Brisson client or Pat Brisson may be talking to the media because it's always the same guys who speak up. And so I have Renaud Lavoie on that list. I have, uh, I have Pierre Lebrun on that list. And so I don't think it's a coincidence that these are the guys delivering this information. And I also don't think it's a coincidence that Renaud Lavoie is coming out scathingly not only saying that the Ducks are basically lowballing Trevor Zegers and trying to quote unquote break him, but also saying that the Buffalo Sabres are interested in Trevor Zegers. So I kind of look at that report from Lavoie as a lot of just possibly could be what true, you, but, but possibly just agent speak. What do you make of the fact that it was so that for anyone that didn't know, this was a, a TV hit on TV. All right. Yeah. Which is, I, isn't that like uh, French Canadian sports net more or less? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was a, a, a hit on the, the TV for them. It hasn't really gotten aggregated, hasn't gotten pushed around. There's been no, nobody else to really report it, which is odd when typically kind of there's something like that with an AAV being reported. A lot of times multiple people will kind of report the same thing. It's very odd to me. I, I think that it hasn't really gotten picked up by anyone else. And I even did a search because luckily before this, we found the video hit and you listened to it you know, being fluent in French and we're able to kind of relay that information. And so it, it just seems very peculiar, I guess, that we found the term and Pierre Lebrun reported that they're a part on AAV, yet didn't report that part of it. But Renault Lavoie has, but only in French, yeah. where most people are not going to necessarily. Well, he, but, know but he's happening. also, he doesn't do. I mean, he doesn't really do no, English but media. He could tweet it out in English, though. I guess he opinion. could. He could, but he said it like it's on the yeah. record. Yep, that's fair. And, and I mean, I I think you hit the nail on the head. That I I think it's probably a little bit more of the Paprisan side of it. It's possible. Like, here's the thing, right? It is a negotiation. They could be coming in at three to four mil. It's like the entire Troy Terry conversation again, where we talked about kind of settling in that middle maybe where they end up. And so if you look at cap for, uh, sorry, look at Evolving Wilds uh projected AAV on a 3-year deal for Trevor Zegers, it's 5.7. So if the yeah. Ducks are coming in at 4 and Zegers is coming in at 6 or 7, then kind of they're or 7ish, then they're going to probably settle in that 5 to 5 and a half million dollar range, which is right where cap uh where Evolving ho- Hockey has them. And yeah. so I I think in reality it's two sides negotiating, being a part on AAV, and they're going to settle somewhere in the middle. I mean, that's typically how these things go. I mean, I think that we, I think that we overrate how complicated these things are. Like these contracts, for the most part, are pretty boilerplate. The fight is over the term in the AAV. You have your comps, right? Especially for these kind of second-ish contracts where there's really only two options, right? I mean, you want to buy as many years as you can if you're the team like it, it's not that complicated and so i think Here, that I, I i would just add that i agree with you that this is a lot of just a agent speak but also b like yeah of course the team is not going to offer the player exactly what he wants like that's yeah normal. and i guess the only other thing kind of to push back a little bit on you right there of it not being complicated sure 
it's not complicated, but there's something that has to cause push to shove to have one party kind of come closer to the other, right? And with this deal, for better or worse, Trevor Zegers does not really have a whole lot of leverage. And so there's not really, until Zegers starts missing training camp and starts missing games, that is when leverage starts coming in because then it starts to negatively impact the team and negatively impact everything. And so I think we're going to start seeing over the next couple of days, probably them getting closer on this AAV. And my, my bet is a deal's done by the weekend. Yeah. And also Pierre Lebrun didn't say that number, but did say that they were, I think he did say they're substantially apart. Yeah. On the AAV. But I don't they know if are that negotiating. Was a, I don't know if, well, yeah, that's yes. Fair. But I don't know if that was in relation to Drysdale or not. I can't recall right now, but he did mention that they were are apart on AAV. And so, yeah, I think that. So, just with tan- all- so Derek had it kind of, Derek does a really good job of uh, quoting exactly what was said. So he has on his tweet from quote tweeting the LeBron uh, hit is there's still a tangible gap in talks between Zegers' agent and, and Anaheim. Both parties will do a three-year deal. Uh, are willing to do a three-year deal, but are far apart on AAV. Drysdale agent David Gagne is in Anaheim right now, but a deal is not close. Yeah, I think the fact that the guys are skating, that they're in Anaheim, that the agents are involved, that there's kind of this media PR storm out of nowhere, right? Like, all of a sudden, everyone's talking. I think it shows that this is close to, to getting over into the end zone. Like, I don't think... I agree with you. I just can't imagine a scenario where... Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale miss a significant chunk of training camp because I don't think that they personally want that. And at the end of the day, I mean, the, the agent is representing the player, right? You don't just, there, there comes a point where you don't just let your agent do whatever he wants just to get you the, that exact number. Like there's, there's a human element to this as well. Yep. Yep. So exactly. And so I, I don't know if I guess personally kind of jumping ahead a little bit on this, I think right now it's just negotiating. And I think if a deal is not signed over the next, uh, let's go weekend to next or by the weekend or into next week, I don't think it's a huge deal. I think once you start getting past the middle of next week is when it starts getting into more. So the part of main camp, when guys are being cut, it's now starts to just be the guys that are going to be on the roster there. And then it starts to become a bit more impactful. And that is, I mean, in some ways, that's probably what Zegers and Drysdale are trying to do. They're trying to get to that point where it does start becoming impactful because that's when they have leverage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just think, I just don't think anybody wants this to happen. I don't think anybody wants this to go there. It, it like, and also I just don't know how much there's some, like, again, this is something that we talked about on the big Trevor Zegers contract podcast we yeah. did, but we don't know. We don't actually know anything outside of things that are, reported as fact right yep. like like pierre lebrun going out and saying they agree on term like he's making a factual assertion and yeah. so unless he's just straight up lying or straight up wrong which he wouldn't have the credibility that he does if he made a habit of that i think that we can buy into that outside of that we don't know anything about who this is all coming from we don't yep. know anything about why this information is being presented this way so i guess the only thing that we can definitively say and was something we've both talked about a bit, but the fact that if Trevor's so Trevor's eager getting three years is good for the ducks because he doesn't enter that scenario where he only has one year left and he basically, yep. it becomes a Timo Meyer, Matthew Kachuk situation. He yep. would still have two years until he's a UFA and that's good for the ducks because yes, a bridge deal is not ideal, but you're still able, 
you're still able to have control over the player and not basically be forced into trading him. Yep. If yep. it got to that point. Yep. And, and you have uh, you have uh, negotiating rights for him as when that deal is up, and there's not going to be a necessity to trade him or anything like that, or he could accept his QO and just walk. And so um, overall, I think if you're going to do a bridge, I think a three-year deal makes more sense than a one- or a two-year deal because you're at least locking him up for a little bit of term so you don't have to redo this in a year or two. You're, yeah. you're sure it's kicking the can down the road a little bit there, but it does give the team still some control there, even though there is arbitration rights at the end of it. Yeah. So that'll be interesting, but I, I think a three-year term is, is a, as good as you can do if you're the ducks in the kind of bridge deal scenario. Yeah. I would yeah. Say. I, I think probably the best case scenario is an eight year deal or seven year deal. Yeah. Like, I like, think, that, like that's the baseline for what I would expect the team to, to be shooting for. Yes. I think probably a three-year deal after that is the next best. Yeah. I because think, yeah, four, I think I four years gets you to that pre-agency situation. Five years walks them to UFA status. <laughs> Six years, pretty close to that. So I think it's probably seven or eight years as being the most the best case scenarios. And then if you weren't able to get that three years is the next best. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And so I think that when the dust settles in the Zegers contract, you and I will both say this is a deal that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, prediction, I'll say three years, five and a half mil. Damn, I was going to say five and a half, too. Yeah. Should I say something to be different? Say it's up to, to you. Your call. No, I think I think you're, man, I almost want to say lower now with that with that Lavoie information. I mean, th- there really isn't a whole lot of leverage for the Ducks or a reason for the Ducks to come up higher outside of just let's get a deal done and I'll sign go, him. I'll go lower. I'll go five. Okay. How about that? I, I think I think five and a half makes more sense, but I'll go five just to. When see. is it signed? I think it's signed tomorrow. I think I think it's going to be signed day one or day one of training camp. Day one of on ice. Day one yeah. of on ice camp. Because technically today was the first day of training yeah. camp. Yeah. Yep. And then let's just jump into the Drysdale part of it also, and yeah. just I guess maybe try to give our opinion on it. Like like we said with the Zegers when we went into that big thing on a couple episodes ago, we know nothing about this situation. <laughs> We know nothing about kind of who's driving the bus on any of this, where the the distinction is coming from, who wants what, who wants more term, who wants less term, but supposedly they're far apart. And what do you make of that? Because I felt yeah. like on the I felt like on the surface, right, this was a simple one or two year bridge. Because Drysdale is gonna want a one one or two year bridge due to missing a whole season due to injury. But one thing that's popped into my head the past week especially is Jake Sanderson just signed that massive extension? Yeah. And Jake's, I think Jake Sanderson has played less games. He's played JBJ's. 77 games. Yeah. Drysdale's played over 100 games in the NHL. Yeah. And so it's, it's I guess, a little bit different because it's an extension. So it's adding on after this upcoming season as compared to Drysdale being for this year. But I would imagine Drysdale might want term and the Ducks may not want that, which would make total sense with how Drysdale has played and you want to see him healthy before you commit to him long-term. Yeah, I think I could see Jamie Drysdale going for the kind of moonball long-term deal with that Jake Sanderson comp in, in his back pocket. Jake Sanderson was... Where was Jake Sanderson picked in the draft? The pick he was before... A, he was the pick before Drysdale. Yeah, so... <laughs> he Wasn't he fifth and Drysdale sixth? I, I mean, he was in that range. I'm not yeah. going to look it up, but I remember him being in that range. And so, yeah, I could see Jamie Drysdale wanting longer term especially that he just had that injury 
and the Ducks just being unwilling to go there. But I, it's hard because I think in some ways, while this one looked more obvious, there are some there are some complicating factors because Jamie Drysdale may be saying, "Yeah, I got hurt, but given my pedigree, given my production, given played, comparable deals, I think he played all eighty two the season before, didn't he? Or maybe it was eighty one games. I'm I'll not take sure. A look real quick, but but the point is just I could see him saying, "Well, even with that injury, if you look at my resume, yeah, eighty one games as a nineteen year old." I am already worth, I already should be getting this eight-year contract, this big extension. I could see that being a line that, that he's drawing. We have no way of knowing because we don't really have that much information. The only thing we've been told is that they're far apart on, I mean, on AAV. Here's the, the interesting thing. The 21-22 season, Drysdale played 81 games, put up 32 points. And yeah. we talk about points not necessarily being the be-all, end-all, but it's something that matters when you come into a negotiation. Jake Sanderson last year, had played 77 games. Guess how many points he put up? Uh, 27. 32. The 32. exact same amount. Uh-oh. A L- little bit less games. 77 games last season versus Drysdale having 81 the season before. But Sanderson being a year older than Drysdale's 32-point season. Like, that may... Like, I could very much see Jamie Drysdale being like, shit, he got eight times eight? That's what I want. Yeah, and the I could see Verbeek, and this one I agree with. I would not give Drysdale an eight-year deal currently. Would you? So I would give him an eight-year deal. I just wouldn't give him the eight million. Well, if it was an eight-year deal, what would you give him? Oh man, less like less than seven. I'll I'll, I'll put my cap at seven because I just don't think he's going to evolve into this top pairing point producing defenseman that that would you know that that would be you know commensurate to that contract so i would have him in that six range i want to guess what evolving hockey has him at if it was an eight-year deal uh let's go let's go 5.5 4.4 okay okay so i'm i'm feeling okay about my reasoning and i was a little high there but yeah, like that's the thing. I'm fine with an eight-year deal because I think Jamie Drysdale is going to become a good NHL defenseman, and he's already got all the tools, and I think he's already shown enough. But I wouldn't give him the Jake Sanderson contract under any circumstance. And if that's what he's asking for, then I, I completely agree that that's just that's just not happening. Like that's just a non-starter. He has not played. I also just don't. I personally, I don't think I would give him eight years. I think I would want to see more. I think this is that's the, fine. That, I mean, like, that's a fair assessment. And I think that that may be the holdup here. Is it seems like they're farther apart because I would imagine the Ducks probably want a two-year bridge. The the, th- the thing with the eight-year deal for me is just that I'm confident that he's going to become at least a serviceable NHL That's defenseman, fair. and he's going to get better. It's That's the rash. That's fair. It's why you sign these guys to eight years deals in the first place is because it's going to become a bargain in the long run. Fair. And so and so it would be maybe a little more speculative because he missed a season, but I think he's already shown enough to warrant the investment. And again, that's just my opinion. It's not necessarily true, mm-hmm. but I just think that the Jake Sanderson comparable really screwed this up. Yeah. <laughs> because yep. I don't think Jake Sanderson is worth that. Like, I don't know. Think... I, I don't either. <laughs> yeah. Like, to be I, fair. And I like Jake Sanderson. I think he's a good defenseman. It's, it's similar to how I feel about Drysdale. I, I like a lot of things about his game, but I don't, would not pay him. I would not give him a $64 million contract. Yeah. I'm curious where evolving hockey had, Jake Sanderson, they have him at, I mean, they have him at eight times seven. Yeah. Well, 
maybe we're wrong for an extension. It's just the resume is so thin. Yeah. The resume but, is I so mean, thin. To be fair, Drysdale's like underlying metrics, which do impact these contract projections a little do they? bit, right? Oh, the metrics, projections. Yeah. yeah. That does factor in because Drysdale's numbers were not great. And so, I mean, all this to say, we just really have no clue about Drysdale. You could make an argument for either side wanting term and either side not wanting term, right? Yeah. Because the Ducks could be arguing, hey, we want eight years because you don't you didn't play as much last season, so we can kind of barter down the, the AAV overall on that. Yeah. And Drysdale maybe wants a bridge to prove himself a little bit more. And also you could also I do mean, the flip side of that. Yeah. Yeah. And well the the thing that looms over all this too is the cap that's gonna go up. Yeah. I mean that it's just it's just weird timing to be discuss, to be negotiating a long term deal. That too. And so but I mean, if he thinks he can make it and he wants that job security, then I get it. And maybe I mean, here's the other thing on Drysdale. He has missed an entire season. Maybe he wants that security. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a volatile sport. You could get hurt anytime. Your career could end, you know, in one game. So yeah, I mean, he played eight games and then got hurt and missed the entire year. And, and that money is guaranteed. You're going to get that money no matter what. Yeah. So that kind of does it, I think, though, for, for the Drysdale and Zegers talk, unless you've got. I'm, I'm surprised we went that long. I, I eh. thought that was going to be way quicker than it was. Yeah, but there was stuff fine. to talk about. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, you want to jump in, though, to the rookie games a little bit? Yeah. I mean, those are fun to watch. It's always a bit of a nightmare trying to watch these with the stream, like Ugh. after the fact and all the hoops you have to jump through. I th- I thought we were in for like actually good quality video also with that first game because I was actually able to watch the a first game had great that video. One. I was yeah. able to watch a decent amount that one because the timing worked out with when it was on versus the time in Hawaii. The other two games I was barely able to watch with no. just how everything was and shitty how the, timing, the, bad video, but hey, awful video. It's better than nothing. Like it is. It is better than nothing. And, I mean, just my quick-hitting thoughts. Yeah. Leo, Leo Carlson, like, he's just he's just so good. <laughs> he, he's so, so good. And the thing that's interesting is I think people are going to make comparisons with him and Fantilli because of Fantilli kind of lighting it up in, in the tournament. And I saw it from a bunch of different places. And the thing is, this tournament I don't think is necessarily about looking for production right away. And especially with Leo Carlson getting used to the North American ice. Um, having not played on it, I think, since the World Juniors. I think he really showed that his game can thrive there, and especially with playing uh, when playing with other high-end talent, it's definitely going to be able to thrive because I think from what I saw, the thing that impressed me, there were a couple things that impressed me the most with him was I think his skating looked fantastic. Yes. I think it really put to bed a lot of the concerns that I had about his skating with his ability and to just kind of get through the neutral zone and go around guys. And he kind of showed everything. He showed that there were a couple of plays where he was able to stick handle in very tight spaces and get some shots off in right in the slot. That is a really high skilled play to be able to do that. And then he also showed a shot with the goal against the Kings with him coming down the wing and going short side high um, with his shot. And so I, I think he just, he looked like a man amongst boys. Maybe he didn't have the production of these other guys, but he looks so much better than everyone else on the ice. Yeah, I so I didn't watch Adam Fantilli. I have I have to be fair, I haven't watched any of him. I've just seen people fawn over the point production. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like it, to me it matters more how the how is more important in these games than the ultimate bottom line. And so 
at least just hearing like Ken Pafu and our discord watch those games was saying a lot of it was Fantilli just overpowering guys. And again, I didn't watch, so I can't fully say, but what I loved about Leo's game is that he was just, it, it wasn't like he was just so much more skilled. It was truly like he was just out thinking everyone. He was always a step ahead. He was always making these subtle cerebral plays, these little short passes, angled passes, and to your point about the skating, I mean, against that level of competition, which we have to acknowledge isn't always the best, like some of these mm-hmm. games, I couldn't even name a player on, on Vegas, to be honest, but his skating looked good. He looked he looked powerful. He has that long stride. I mean, he's, he's a tall man. He's 6'3", and you just saw the power in his stride. You also saw a little foot speed. You know, he talked about after the draft, I want to improve my first three steps. And the goal he scored on Monday, I mean, it was basically quick steps, quick steps around the other team's player to then drive it in on net. And there were times where he was just straight up overpowering dudes physically. So I just, I came away from that sort of confirmation bias because I already really liked Lil Carlson's game, but just everything he put on tape was just like, yep, that's that's Lil Carlson. That's what we expected. And now it's just, hey, how far can you take this these next few weeks? Yep. And then I think the other takeaways, I mean, were there any other forwards that stood out to you? I think from that first game I watched, I mean, it's easy to pick out Colson P- uh, Petrie with him having the two goals. I think, were they both shorthanded goals? One of them for sure was short. I know, yeah. There was the breakaway goal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think he just kind of looked like he was all over the place uh, throughout that game in a good way. And so really kind of made me feel good about that pick uh, that happened, especially I, I was listening to the athletic pod today that had uh, Corey Promen and Max Boltman. And they were specifically mentioning him how one of the things that they look for in these tournaments when they're at these tournaments is looking at age range and how that mm. impacts it and how you, if an 18-year-old stands out to you in any way, that always is impressive because of them being at the lower age range of this tournament, yeah. whereas you expect a guy that's 20, 21, 22 to stand out completely because they're just going to be at the older age range of the group. And so they they were like, the fact that Colson Petrie... Um, stood out as an 18-year-old was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I wasn't super just putting a lot of stock in what Nikita Nestorenko was doing. Yeah. Be- because, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's 21. He's the but, same, I think he's the same he's draft 22. as... He's the same draft as Zegris and Lacombe. Yeah, so he's kind of, like, he had his moments, but I'm just not, like, he's got pro experience already. Like, I just wasn't as... Uh, I just wasn't as, I don't want to say not impressed because he played well, but just I'm not putting as much stock into that. But you brought up Colson Petrie, and I guess that's just how we're going to say his last name. I, because, I guess. Because that is definitely a French last name, and that is absolutely not how you pronounce it in French, but Petre. it's fine. No, the, the, the E is actually silent. It's Pete. It's, it's Petre. Pete? Yeah. So anyway, several points. I point. mean... Yeah, it may have at one, it may have at one point been that, and then it just was butchered over time. As the, well, the the broadcast was also saying uh, Yegor Sidorov, like the former goal. Uh, is it Dennis Sidorov? I forget his Devin what his first name. Devin Sidorov. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not pronounced that way. But anyway, I do want to point out though up front because you brought up the forwards. I thought that yeah, Colson Petra looked good, and then Kerry Terrance. Yep, also. The Ducks have really, I think, honed in on this archetype of forward, and they all kind of go about it a different way, but they're rangy, they're skilled, they play hard, and just overall they kind of bring 
a very balanced package. They're not necessarily going to be the highest ceiling guys, like maybe like a Sasha Pasajov, but they're you can just tell that they're probably going to be pros. Like I looked at at Nico Majatovic. I guess that's how we're saying that too, and not Majatovic. But anyway, Nico Majatovic I thought looked really solid, or at least he had moments where he looked really solid. Took some bad penalties, but just the skating, the awareness. Um, Sidorov had some good moments too. Judd Caulfield, I thought, or not, not Judd Caulfield. Sorry. Um, I was thinking of, well, that's not a forward. Never mind. Just think of Jackson Wiebe. Uh, oh, he is a forward. Why do I think yeah. he's playing defenseman? Yep. Jackson Wiebe was not, I'm like not completely convinced Jackson nope. Wiebe was there to play hockey <laughs> to put it kindly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, up front, like that, that class of forward of the Mayatovich's, the Petries, so, Terrance all looked really solid to me. There was a really interesting uh, quote in the, so the EP rinkside uh, rankings came out today with the Ducks being ranked number two overall. This is for only players that are called, called or eligible. The Blackhawks were number one, uh, mainly driven by Connor Bedard. If you have a generational talent, I guess that will prop up your group to being top of the class if he's there. Um, yeah, but there was, there was this, this paragraph from our good friend, Mitch Brown, friend of the pod that said the ducks have built this through one of the league's most profuse yet poor draft philosophy size, but then, uh, more than every other team, uh, they excel at identifying skilled players within archetypes and know when to ignore size altogether. They find players with exciting flashes of skill who quickly turn them into gamely features. They pick thinner players who, uh, who become far more effective after a summer or two of packing on the pounds. I think that kind of goes to what you were getting at, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. It's these guys are not the most exciting picks. And there's this whole like, oh, Verbeek only likes a certain height. But these guys can play. And I think that once, because the Ducks definitely, you can tell that they've they've identified their star forwards with Segris, Carlson, McTavish, and you know Troy Terry. But I think that these guys are going to be able to fill out the, the, the depth at some point. I did not mention Nathan Gaucher. And I think that that should be somewhat noteworthy because I just wasn't, he didn't really stand out to me. Like, I, yeah. I just don't think he really did anything that was super impressive in what I saw. So. Yep. All right. So and then, should we talk about the D or do you want to? I, I think we'll get to the D in a second. But okay. gentlemen, we all know that first impressions matter. And if you're not uh, taking care of your skin, that's going to be the first thing someone notices and instantly either thinks you're way older than you are or you just don't care about your appearance. Show them you do and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. You're going to brush your teeth every day. Or you're going to brush your teeth today. Incorporating skincare steps before it guarantees uh, to not mess up your tune, leaving your breath fresh and your face refreshed. Uh, Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup twi- uh, twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. It's actually really nice when they give it to you. They send you uh, a little pamphlet that says when you're supposed to put things on. And so put that on my, my mirror. I'm able to remember when to put things on which one goes with which time. So Caldera Lab knows the skincare world is a heavily female-driven, uh, is heavily female-driven and has long been the wild, wild west for men. That's why they're making the solution simple. The regimen uh, includes three products, the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate starts your and ends your day. This face wash leaves all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. 
The Good is your go-to multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the, uh, the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of the serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units uh, protecting your skin. And the Caldera Lab Icon Eye Serum, it addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eyes, fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare made only with top-tier ingredients and clinical trials have found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger-looking appearance after using Caldera Lab for a few weeks. One minute morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer. This is their best offer available anywhere. Use CTP, the code CTP at calderalab.com, and you get 20% off right now. So you can get 20% off with the code CTP at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to charming words, you look younger. 20% off at calderalab.com with the code CTP. Great. Thank you so much to Caldera and Caldera Lab. Go check them out. Yep. Okay, let's talk about the D. Yep. Not that D, please, folks. The the defense. Yeah. The defenseman that played. Yeah. Where do you want to start with this? Because this is like a grab bag. A the fun first bag. game, the first game, they loaded up. And yeah. I, I think, uh, what was it? I think Corey Promnin, in his breakdown of the Ducks system, said that a scout told him that all six of those players could be uh, NHLers in a couple years. I mean, Which is not true. normal. It's true. <laughs> what was it? It was uh, Jackson Lacombe, Pear. I'm trying to remember the exact lineup. I'll find it right real quick. But if you want to start going on about it, go for it. Yeah. Here's who I want to start with. Yeah, go for it. Rodwin Dionicio. Okay. That dude. Not one is, of the six, but yes, go that on. That dude is just so much fun to watch. I have no idea what he's going to be in the NHL because he plays such a loose game like he is just always involved in the play he is always creating sometimes to his detriment but he had a goal against la on monday where i mean the kings just basically let him walk down main street off the rush and he just ripped a shot as a left hand shot from the left side from the left face off he just ripped the shot far side like it was like a perfect picture perfect textbook shot like you think Austin Matthews where he's just bringing it across his body and you pair that with just some of the puck moving he showed and some of just the energy he brings. And again, there's a reason why he won in the fifth round. There's a reason why people are unsure what he'll be because he's just so all over the place, but just a tremendously fun player to watch. And I yeah, do want to e- highlight extremely. Him. This is maybe the, this is being too simplistic, but I saw a number 76 going down the ice and kind of <laughs> rip a shot in that way. And I couldn't help but think of P.K. Subban. Same. Same. Like, I'm so really glad you weird. said that. I'm yeah. so glad you said that. I don't, he's a lefty. Like, I don't know if he kind of, yeah, I don't know if he kind of, like, looks like him also in the way he skates. But, like, I didn't realize Rodwin was that big, I guess, until watching him go down the ice on that goal specifically, just with the games being harder yeah. to watch. Um, but, yeah, I couldn't help but get P.K. Subban out of my mind there. Yeah, he plays that kind of crazy style, and he's not anywhere in that galaxy of skaters, P.K. Subban. It's just the 76 that's making him come to mind. But, yeah, he's if he can figure it out, like, he could be an amazing player. (laughs) I'm just going to – I'm going to stake my flag right now. It's not yeah. really mu- it's not really much of a take, but I do believe in that. So here here was the the defense group for that first game against Vegas. It was Lacombe, Lanoz, uh one of the pairs, Minchikov, Warren, and Zellweger Hines. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean yeah. all those guys could potentially play. I didn't watch 
I haven't really gone back to watch Hines and Luno that closely, so I can't really say. Le- but like Luno jumped in, jumped up a lot in that game, and yeah. it felt like Lacombe kind of stayed back and was more so the steady guy staying back at a couple different times throughout that game. Um, got two goals throughout that game, but I think probably didn't have as strong of games as the tournament went on. But I mean, the real stars of the show on the blue line, I think you and I both agree with this, are Minchikov and Zellweger. Yeah, and and to, and just to quickly touch on Noah Warren before yeah. we get into those guys, like I thought he looked solid. I think that what impressed me about him is just the fact that his puck moving looked a little sharper. Like he he there was a play in the first game where he evaded pressure behind the net. And actually stick handled around a four checker to then make a play. And I think you could argue that that was maybe a little too much that he didn't need to do that. But I don't even, I don't think he had that in his bag like a year ago. And so I'm intrigued by him because I mean, he's just, he's a massive human. He's six, five, he can skate. And if he can bring that, that element of puck moving, like you're looking at a top four defenseman. So 100%, especially kind of, as someone that's going to contrast with the way that Minchikov and Zellweger play. Yes. Like that you're that is need, what you need. You're going to need no warrants because yeah, I mean, you brought up Zellweger and I thought Zellweger, like I, I maybe just caught him on the wrong day. I watched him on Monday and I came away thinking that he's going to need a little time to, to really get up to speed with the NHL game because there were two occasions where he was defending the rush. He was defending the blue line, his own blue line. And he just got walked. Like he just, he had a, the wrong angle, the wrong gap was too aggressive. And like Sean, Chig- I don't know how to pronounce it. Sean Chagrel, Chagel, Sean Chagel, like danced around him. And like, that's just not a dude that you want dancing around you. If you're a highly thought of prospect. Now it's just two plays. It's just one game, all the caveats, but I thought he was also struggling a little bit with timing, you know, when to push the play, when to make the extra stick handle, as opposed to just kind of taking what's there. And a lot of that too is that we got to remember these guys are not like really teammates, right? They, they get together for a weekend. Yeah. There's not really a system. So some of that could be explained away in that sense. But I just thought that he's, there's still a little fine tuning in his game that I think he could benefit from this year playing in the minors for a bit. Interesting. But, but the skills, the skills were all there. Like you could see yeah. it. He had a really nice assist. I forget on which goal on Monday, but there were just times where I felt like, he was trying to do too much. Like he was just rushing up ice and kind of creating this congestion in the neutral zone when all he had to do was make a simple pass. Um, but he's got all the tools. It's all there. It's just like, bring it together. And again, I could have just caught him on a bad day. It's just, yeah. And interesting. I only caught a little bit of the King game against the Kings. And there was the only thing that stood out to me was actually a good thing where I thought he defended a rush really well with gap control and able, he laid the body on a guy to get him off the puck um to basically squash that rush um and then i think the game on the first game what was that on friday yeah um i think he looks really good in that game and i think he really pushed the pace in, from what i was able to see in that game was really active throughout the entirety of it um and, and there was one four on four in that game where they ended up having him and minchikov together for it huh. and they were just going and the oh, puck stayed I in the offensive zone the entire yeah. time I can't remember who were the forwards out there. I think it was Carlson and I can't, maybe it was Nestoranko. Might have been. Yeah. But they just had the puck in the offensive zone the entire time. And so I, I was just so impressed with that. And so, like I said, I was in Hawaii for that game. 
<laughs> and have been kind of getting back in times, uh, the right time zone ever since then, uh, with getting back on Saturday, late Saturday night. So haven't been able to watch all these games in full, but from what I saw, I really like Zellweger's game. I think he's going to push for an NHL spot. I think you might be right that he may end up uh, in San Diego, but we'll have to wait and see on there. And then you actually put out a fun video today. Yeah, I finally did it. I finally laid the egg and on, on Pavel Minchikov. And what was it? It was like three or four different plays or three or four three, different sequences? I did three shifts. Yeah, three I shifts. had more, but I realized I talk a lot. And so it ended up being like a longer video than I anticipated. A 10-minute video was pretty pretty much perfect. Yeah, I think that's the length I'm going to shoot for with these these videos. But yeah, I mean... Man, I I will be I will fully admit that I have not watched Pavel Mintukov like as closely as a lot of people over the years. Like I've always been more of someone who pays more attention to Zellweger. But man, Pavel Mintukov does some stuff in games where you're just like, wow, he is just bending the rules of defensemen. Like he's so aggressive carrying yeah. the puck. He's so aggressive pinching into the zone. He'll activate off the blue line like like he basically plays like a forward in the in the in the offensive zone it's actually really crazy but what i love about his game is that it is still within the team concept like he doesn't take risks at least in the game i watched in the in the clips i highlighted Mm -hmm. he doesn't take risks that jeopardize the team concept like he's he's looking to see if the point is covered when he's pinching sometimes not always but i came away from that game and again just one game thinking man this dude might actually be ready like right now for the nhl so yeah very yeah. impressed with him. One one thing I want to mention on Minchikov because I think that and we'll find is it Minchukov or Minchikov? Well, it's probably neither because Russian. Fair, fair. Yeah. Um, one thing that comes to mind watch came to mind after watching your video and specifically I think it was one of the later ones where you had mentioned that he pinched up and there wasn't really high sport and you didn't really recognize it fully. Yeah. But one thing that came to mind I don't know if you remember this Mitch Brown was on the PDO cast uh, mm-hmm. at some point last season and was yeah. talking about him. Um, and how one of the things, and this was back when he was in what Saginaw and that played a much more wide open type game, um, before he made, was traded to Ottawa. Um, but he would jump into the play. And a lot of times the reason for that was kind of the way that he was coached and the way that they treated and the way that he liked to play in that way was by jumping up, he was creating a passing lane off the boards and it was a more dangerous or a better play for them for him to jump up and get into a passing lane then staying back on the blue line and the puck getting turned over and creating a rush tran- chance going the other way. And so even though it may leave them success- susceptible to some chances going the other way, by doing that in the long term, it's going to keep the puck in the offensive zone more by creating more passing options. And sure it's risky, but it's something that I think the new age offense is kind of where it's going with five man units and jumping into space and finding soft zones on the ice to create chances. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually am glad you brought that up because I think that how he was coached in junior has a lot to do with those instincts yeah. of looking to attack because that was encouraged, right? Yeah. Hey, almost like development matters. But I do think that, yeah, those instincts that he has, there are times where they may look more risky, but you're also forcing the other team to react. And on that play that you're mentioning, the Ve- the Vegas, the LA defender just straight up like lost him, like didn't yeah. even expect that. And yeah, it's a rookie faceoff game. And some of these guys might never play in the NHL, but I still think there's going to be NHL players. that are going to be a little caught off guard by how aggressive he is. And I think that he has the skating to cover that ground. So 
But but all this, what I really want to say with Mitukov is for all of the impressive stuff in the flash, I think that there's just a very sound player within that. And that's why I think he's just, based on my viewing, that I think he's more ready than Zellweger. But I think he... It, it's, a, it, it's a good problem to have. I think they're different also. I think Zellweger a lot... Zellweger in a lot of ways reminds me of Sammy Votnin. Super fun, yeah. super exciting player. Could be a top four, top pairing defenseman if all things go right and is put in the right spots. I think Minchikov could become a higher-end defenseman than that, though. I think he has a higher... I think Mintukov has a higher floor, is yes. what I would say. I would agree with that. I think I think if Zellweger doesn't figure out the defensive game, like, at his size... It's, he's still going to be an exciting player and still going to have a place yeah. on a team, I think. He is, He, but he's just not going to be, like, a, a true kind of foundational piece and maybe more, Fair. like just a, like a high-end guy with some flaws. But I am still very high on Zellweger. I hope nobody's listening to this thinking, oh, he's he's out on Zellweger. No, I'm still very high. He still did some incredible things. It's just different different developmental paths for everyone. Yeah, and any, any other defenseman that you want to highlight? Luno looked, I think, good in the first game, bad in the third game. Or uh, maybe, did he play in the third game? I can't remember. I don't think so. In, he played no, in the second game, I think. Yeah, the second game is the one I, I couldn't get to watch because of issues we'll call them we'll call them issues with we'll go with issues but i want to talk about connor smith okay i have no opinion on him so connor go smith it. i just want to point out looks like a freaking like linebacker out there like mm-hmm. he's got the like long hair but he's also really tall and just lanky and i don't know he just looks like a football player to me but took a horrendous penalty at the end of that game where he hit a guy from behind along the end boards and the Ducks took a lot of penalties in that game, and I just, I don't know. I just, I was not super enamored with that. I wasn't hugely enamored with his game. I know the rap on him is that he's this physical guy and that that's going to be his calling card, but you're just not impressing anyone by doing shit like that. So, yep, don't do yep. that. Um, you want to, really quickly, the EP rink size ranking for the Ducks. Yeah. Anything that stands out to you with that and... I mean, should I just run through the players that they had in the lit in the order? Yeah, the I haven't I haven't read the whole thing through because all good. There's a lot of detail, which is great. Yeah, but I haven't so, read the whole thing through. Number one, Leo Carlson makes sense. Keep in mind, this is Calder eligible, so no McTavish, no Zegras. No I also Drysdale. just I loved anyone who doesn't have an EP Ringside subscription. I know that you know no one wants to pay for articles, but I do think that what they're doing is is the best. It's cutting edge in in the world of hockey yes. know, journalism and. I love the breakdown on Leo because I I don't want to say I don't want to sound cocky, but I feel like it kind of validated what I've seen of him. Yeah. And I and so that's maybe why I agree, but I think the, my key takeaway maybe the biggest takeaway from that that blurb on Carlson is just that Mitch saying that Carlson skating, you know, he projects as NHL average skating. And quite honestly, that's kind of all he needs to be to to yeah. I think fulfill his potential. Yep, but but that is much different than I think the bill of goods we were getting sold. I mean, in Mitch even says that with this skill set, it's a feature, not a flaw. Yeah, but everyone was saying, oh, you know, he's the the feet, the feet, the the this, the lack of speed. You know, compare him to Fantilli. Fantilli is popping off the page. Leo's not, and it's like I just don't think that was ever true. Like, yes, his skating is not a quote unquote strength, but it's like Mitch said, it's not a weakness either. Yep. Uh, number two, Pavel Minchikov. Yep. Number three, Olin Zellweger. Number four, Lukas Stostal. 
Number five, Jackson Lacombe. Number six, Ian Moore. This was the first surprise for me. Yeah, I mean, even Lacombe at five, I think you could you could say, oh, like there's other guys that maybe other folks would have higher. But anyway, yeah, continue. Ian Moore being this high though, and I, I know Mitch has been he really loves high Ian on Ian Moore. Yeah, but I mean that's awesome to see because we talked about right that all six of those guys that were listed uh, in that game could be NHLers. Ian yeah. Moore not in the tournament because not at that tournament because he is in college, so he yeah. cannot play in it. It um, sucks because we just haven't really gotten to see him very much. No, we haven't. Yeah. Uh, seven, Tristan Leneau. Eight, Nathan Gauthier. Uh, nine, Noah Warren. Ten, Sasha Pastajov. Should mention, Pastajov didn't play in any of the games, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. He was there with them. Maybe he picked up a minor injury and so he didn't play, or maybe they just didn't think it was necessary because he's played in this before. I don't know. Like, we just don't know. Yeah. So. A lot of unknowns. 11, Tyson Hines. 12, Colson Petrie. Uh, 13, Callie Klang. Uh, 14, Nikita Nestoranko. 15, Drew Hellison. 16, Jacob Perot. 17, Damien Clara. Uh, 18, Sam Colangelo. Sam Colangelo, I feel like, is someone I just forget about. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm kind of shocked system. he's this high, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> 19, Connor Vidston. I'm surprised that he like, Colangelo is above Vidston. Mitch loves Connor With Vidston, how much so. Mitch loves him. Yeah. Uh, 20, Braden Tracy. 21, Rodwin Dionicio. Uh, 22, Wojtek Port. 23, Nico Majadovic. Uh, 24, Yegor Sidorov. Uh, 25, Kerry Terrance. 26, Pavel Regenda. Damn. Have doing we the, forgot about d- the Regenda doing, agenda? Doing the boy dirty. I mean, he's almost 24. Like, yeah. He's, I'm surprised he's, he's on this list. He's a fair. technical inclusion on this list. Like, yeah. He is not a prospect. Yeah. So I guess any. I think the only real surprise for me there is Ian Moore being so high. I mean, I, I like it. I like seeing... I like seeing different writers have kind of plant their flag on, Hey, I believe in this guy. Yeah. And you may end up being wrong. You may have egg on your face, but I prefer that to seeing a lot of lists where it's almost like, it's almost always the same list, right? Like a different mm-hmm. version of the same list. So I like, I like that. I can't really say, cause I've barely watched Ian Moore, but if there is another guy in the ducks midst who could also be a top four defenseman, like all these other guys we've talked about, like it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. What do you make of the fact that the Ducks have this, the the deepest prospect pool in the league, but they're number two? I <laughs> I think that is my only issue with elite prospects is the fact that I get where they're coming from with the fact that they have Chicago there because of Connor Bedard, and when you're yeah. setting these standards of Calder eligible, I just sure you could make that argument. I just don't see the depth in the Chicago system. To they don't. It. They they don't have the depth. I mean, they do have some really good high end talent outside of Connor Bedard. Like, yeah, like Bedard is obviously the reason they're number one. But I mean, Frank Nazar and Oliver Moore. If would... they if they pick Fantilli or Carlson, where are they at versus? Let's just say, <laughs> if the I, Ducks I, had Bedard, they're number one no yeah. matter what. If yeah. and so no matter what with this list, whoever had Bedard is number one. Yeah, like I that, think, that's I think, just. Where I think it's Bedard at. was kind of the tiebreaker. So. I guess my, my question is if they did not get Bedard and let's say they got Carlson or, or Fantilli, where are they at in this list? And to me, they're, they're low t- top 10. Oh, you're saying if the, if the Blackhawks got Correct. Fantilli. Oh, 
Man, I don't know. I don't know. You get what I'm saying? I didn't read the other teams enough. Like, That's fine. I still, I still like what they're building, and I love Leo Carlson, and I, you know, I was high on Adam Fantilli too, but yeah, that that definitely drops them. I mean, they're I think they're out of the one and two conversation for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. One thing I'm I'm curious about. I'll need to dive into this a little bit with Ian Moore specifically. Is he's going into his junior year of college, mm-hmm. but. This is going to be four years after he was drafted because he went back to the U- or he went to the USHL because he uh-huh. was drafted out of uh, prep school when the Ducks drafted him uh, in 2020, and then he went to the USHL, and then he went to Harvard. Harvard after that, so this will be his junior year. I'm not sure if he's eligible to become a free agent in summer, like mm. in, in the similar way of Henry Thrun, because I know Matt in our YouTube chat said does more go the Thrun route. It's a little bit different. I'll need to look at that because I think it's typically you have to graduate. And so it's about in, when you enroll in school and stuff like that. And so he may have another year after this, but I would imagine probably at the end of the year, he'll sign for the Ducks. I, I don't see why not unless he goes thrown and is like, I don't see space for myself here. But yeah, I mean, the one thing is like, you're going to start seeing guys get traded from this blue line with, with how many p- players they have. Like, at this point in time, like the Ducks, like Verbeek should actually be shopping some of these prospects while they have high You're value. just not going to be able to fit them all. <laughs> well, you're not going to be able to fit them all. And also, if you wait too long until some of them don't pan, so like until you wait for some of them to pan out and some of them to don't, to not, you're not going to have as much value, right? Yeah. And so at a certain point, dry. you need to make take advantage of the fact that you've made all these picks and make a move with the trade. That's yeah. the one thing that keeps running through my head when we, we see all these prospects, right? And you have those six skaters or six defensemen that are all like viewed as being NHL defensemen in the future. And then you still have Jamie Drysdale in the system. And you still have, uh, I mean, we both like Rodwin Dionicio, more of a project, so not in that same level. But you have Ian Moore. You have yep. Drew Hellison. Like, there's only six spots. Yep. So and, I mean, you still have Cam Fowler on term. Yeah, right? like, like it's it's not, and and I mean, Jamie Drysdale exists. So. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's gonna be very curious because I feel like you gotta look at maybe packaging, and packaging one or two of them. It sucks because you want to see them pan out on your yeah. own team, but yeah, yeah. I, I get it. Yep. Uh, Z Hamster said the other side of that coin though is you you trade them too soon and they blow up if you uh and if they blow up you look bad. Fair, like fair but you it's only have so act. like you only have so much ice time like you cannot you only have six spots right and so yeah they're like it, it's a tough balancing act like you said and so would you rather a guy w- uh wither away in the ahl and eventually become waiver eligible um and then you lose them off waivers or would you rather trade them now and get something for them so yeah and Especially I, I, with, I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And I, I would also say, if that happens, they have no value. They don't have a whole lot of trade value. Well, I honestly look at like the, the Ducks were in this situation not that long ago. I mean, now it's starting to be a little while ago, but just a few years ago, when the Ducks had all those defensemen in the pipeline, and people were saying stuff like, "Oh no, you don't trade Jacob Larson because you know yeah. of how good of a prospect he is." Yeah, that was the peak of his value he's no longer an NHLer, right? Like, so, yeah, I mean, on the flip side of that, they traded Marcus Pedersen because of that. And yeah. look at what Marcus Pedersen has become. So and that's there is why the pros it, and cons. That's why it's a very, it's a very slippery slope because you have to pick right. You can have total egg on your face if you get it wrong, 
but you can also have egg on your face if you hang on to the guy and give him a chance. So it's it's a big test of your team's ability to evaluate its own players, which up until not that long ago, the Ducks were not good at. Let's just yeah. be honest. The pro scouting I, was just awful. I think the fact that Martin Madden has more of a say makes yeah. me feel a bit better about that. That's true. Um, all right. And I guess the final thing is camp groups were announced. <laughs> okay. Um, anything stand out to you? The The first thing just for me to point out, Mason McTavish, not, not listed. There. Not listed in any of the groups, even though he was on the training camp roster and not listed as injured. So maybe yeah. it's something that popped up in the last day or two. Maybe there's just something he's nursing where he's not fully injured but not fully healthy. I mean, Leo Carlson with Alex Kalorn and Troy Terry. Yep. Like kind of starts and ends there for me. I'm just, they're putting him with real, like the, the best players, basically the best wingers on this team. And Leo's going to get a chance right away to, to show what he can do. So I kind of love that because even if you don't intend on having him, you know, with the team the whole year or whatever, like he's that good of a player where you should not be wasting his time putting him w- with lesser tier players like let's see that is that that is the caliber of player he's going to be playing with once he gets the nhl full time so let's just see it right away instead of yep. like doing the beating around the bush we've seen the last yep. few years especially because so just for so everyone knows none of this stuff is set in stone don't read into any of these lines the only thing that's fun with looking at these is a lot of times these groups are used for the early preseason games before cuts are starting to be made so we'll probably see one of these groups for the first game on sunday and, I, and you'll yeah. see these lines more likely than not. And so for me, the other couple things that stood out, cause you're, you're spot on. I think Carlson with Terry Killorn, like there's not a whole lot of other like forward lines that you would look at and say, Oh, those are all NHLers like Jones, Henrique DeLeo. Like there's still chase DeLeo's on that line. Damn. I mean, shots fired at chase I mean, DeLeo. He didn't play an NHL game last year. Shots fired at chase DeLeo. Brett. I mean, you could maybe say Brett Leeson, Sam Carrick, uh, Brock McGinn, I almost said Jamie McGinn, uh, could be the fourth line. So maybe there's that. Well, there is. there are a couple of interesting things, though. Okay. That we should I, point out. I was about to get into the defense. So from the forward perspective, I don't see well, the, anything. I think that the, the key thing to me that I find kind of interesting is Braden Tracy at center. I, I was about to go there, actually. But yeah. And Ryan Strom on the wing. Like, Ryan Strom is a center, or at least he's played center. He played center on this team last year. And I find it interesting that he's starting out on the wing with freaking Andrew Agazino. Andrew Agazino on at center. Don't you and have Andrew Agazino gloves? I do. I use Andrew Agazino's reverse retro gloves for beer league, but neither yeah. here nor there. I just find it interesting that Ryan Strom is already on the wing. Like they are just that's where they're starting off with him. Yep. And and yeah, Braden Tracy being a center is also fascinating cuz I don't Did he even remember play him. center last year? I, has he, was he ever listed as a center in his draft I mean, year? I feel like he was always a winger. I think he has the skill set to be a good center, though, because he's a he's a quick skater. He's got some ability to, ki- to carry the puck. I could see that potentially working. So I like that. Yeah. I like that they're trying stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's just listed as a winger, so I have I have no clue. But, I mean, they're, yeah, they're just trying stuff. And then on defense, this is where the real fun comes in. Zellweger, Gudas. I mean, like, I mean, when we saw Radko Gudas, that was, like, the pairing that we thought of, right? Yep. So... I mean, at least they're putting them together and see if they have any chemistry. And I guess if you throw them in a preseason game and if Gudis allows Zellweger to go and is able to impress that, I mean, that could be a, a pairing. 
throughout the season. Yep. And then Minchikov Labushkin. Two yeah, Russians. The, the Russian duo. I mean, that pairing makes sense too because Labushkin is more of a stay at home guy, more yeah. physical, and we talked about Pavel and just how just crazy of a player he is out there. So I I'm fascinated by that and kind of interesting to see Drew Hellison with Camp Fowler. Yeah. I mean, it it's f- like if Drysdale, let's just say Drysdale holds out into the season. We could see Fowler Hellison as a pairing. It's possible. I wouldn't bet on it, but it's possible. You think it's more likely that it's Labushkin there? Yeah, I just I think Hellison has a good chance of being in the AHL to start. Fair. So. Fair. But fun. It, it's fun to see lines. But yeah, fun, Jamie fun Drysdale should sign because if Drew Hellison balls out, like that's not good for Jamie Drysdale. <laughs> nope. So. But yeah, and so exciting times. It'll be fun to see the videos tomorrow. Fun to see everyone there on Saturday. I will not be there on Saturday, um, but shouts to everyone. I know there will be a contingent oh. of Crash the Pond people there. I was going to say, the only pairing I feel like that's actually kind of realistic is Erovacaninen with Colton White. <laughs> like, as, like As the seventh and eighth defenseman? Like that, yeah, like that just feels like a realistic, like... that A practice D pair? Yeah, like, like th- that's where those guys will be in the hierarchy. Yeah. So, but, fun. yeah. I, it's I fun think to that... have new stuff to talk about. Yeah, 100%. All right. Uh, anything else? Nope. All right, let's... we're over an hour and we haven't started we, questions. We which are is hilarious. I know. We had a lot to talk about. To be fair, I mean it's fine. I'm here for yeah. it, but it's fine. I am too. All right, so let's start jumping into questions. Uh, let's see, uh, D Frenzy. So sorry for anyone that posted ones earlier. I'm just gonna start when I called for questions today in Discord. But we're gonna be starting with our Discord from uh, go to crash the, or Patreon.com/slash/crashthepond. You subscribe at the $1 tier or the $5 tier, you get access to the uh, Patreon-exclusive Discord. Uh, best place to talk hockey, and you get your questions asked first. So D Frenzy said, this is a cringe one right off the bat. How are we feeling early returns on Fantilli versus Carlson? I mean, if I'm going to take this question seriously. I'll, I'll just pretend that, that this is like a, a legitimate question to ask right now. I'm feeling good about it. Leo Carlson looks great, and I'm not moved by Adam Fantilli beating up uh you know the rookie face-off tournament so yeah uh sorry i found actually it was easy for me to find the other questions so there were some early ones dorian said if the ducks don't take a step this year and if a team is willing do you think fowler would ever waive his no trade clause to go to a contender and try to win a cup he's 31 and i don't think he'll ever get one by the time the ducks are ready to contend i mean i think it's possible like we've seen trades we didn't think would ever happen across the league where a guy actually decides, you know what, like I'm going, I'm ready. So yeah, I, I see that happen. I'm not saying it will happen, but like, yeah, yeah. It's possible. I don't, I don't think it will happen this year. I think maybe a couple years down the line. I also think this may be dumb. I think cam may just want to pl- be a duck his entire career. I mean, yeah, maybe, but I mean, we just don't know. Like I'm not in his head. I'm not in his, in his corner, but I could see it happening eventually, but like you said, I could also see him wanting to be a one team guy. Like that's, that's actually in play for him. And it's so hard to do in today's NHL. So I could see it either way. Yep. And Brad said, question for the pod. Does it concern you that Paverbeek hasn't weaponized the cap? I mean, I'd argue, I mean, John Klingberg was weaponized. I think he has. 
I think he has not to the extent like that we've seen, let's say, a Kent Hughes. I mean, Dadanov was doing that, and it just was out of his control. But, I mean, it didn't happen. So, like, yeah. we got we to gotta grade I mean, him on what has happened. That one, I would say, like, you would put in, you can add to him, basically. I, I think that he's, I mean, he's weaponized it in that, like, I think he's retained on every single trade. Yep. So, I mean, that's part of it. But, no, he hasn't. He just hasn't made those moves that we've seen the Canadians make, which is like, let's just take on money for picks. And I think that there's, I think if you want to explain that, if you want to take the positive view of that, it's that the Ducks maybe are in a position where, hey, like they think we're not really at that point anymore where we just want to stockpile picks. We're, we have a lot of prospects that are almost there. Whereas the Canadians, I think are still, they're still a bit more on the cutting room floor of their, of their rebuild. So that could be your explanation, but he hasn't really done it. Yep. Uh, Olaf is berserker said, how do you define a successful camp? A successful camp. I mean, I think for this team, it's just going to be, let's see an identity forming. Let's see, let's see this team developing good habits, playing a solid brand of hockey and hopefully some lines that make sense. <laughs> yes. I actually think that's a great one is, align a group that makes sense overall. I think seeing some fun play in preseason would be, I think uh, a site worth seeing. Uh, he also asked, who's your dark horse to make the squad out of camp? I mean, it's not really a dark horse, but I'll, I'll go Pavel Mitukov just cause I was just so impressed with watching him over the weekend. And I don't think a lot of people think he will make it. So I'll go with him. I don't think he's making it just because of the nine game situation and playing the HL does not use his ELC this year. Um, I'll go Pavel Regenda. I mean, I guess maybe that's not a dark horse necessarily because he was on the team to start last year, but once he got sent down, he was not called up again. So, and he's someone that I feel like is forgotten about in some ways. So yeah. I'll go Pavel Regenda. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, Casey said, what depth player should I get unreasonably attached to this duck season? <laughs> oh man. Unreasonably uh, attached to, uh, uh, let's go with Colt, uh, Colton white. I mean, I think drew Hellison is a depth player on this team. Okay. If he makes it and drew Hellison's actually like has a, a future. Good, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go there. Brock McGinn. Maybe. I mean, if we want to go know. forwards, Sam Carrick. Sam Carrick's just a fun player. I think Sam Carrick's going to have a bounce back year. I'm going with it. Like, Sam Carrick, yeah, he had a bad year last year. He but was really bad last year. He was year. a really fun story the year before that. And he was yeah. playing well. He's kind of a hard-on-his-sleeve kind of player. Like, I think he's just an easy player to root for. Like, so, two years ago, he was the best defensive player on the team. As a, <laughs> or defensive forward on the team. Yeah, which is saying something. Yeah. Uh, Derek said, why does Felix think Ben, ben King's name is Dwight? Oh, yeah. So in my video, for those who haven't watched it yet, hopefully you have all will watch it by the time you're listening. I kept calling Ben King Dwight King because I don't know why that happened. Former L.A. King. Former L.A. King and more notably, former Canadian. Oh, I forgot. I, was he a Sabre at any point? I don't know. But Dwight King was one of those crappy Mark Bergevin trade deadline acquisitions of just trying to get bigger. There was another guy he signed that year, the, the Norwegian player. I'm forgetting his name, but anyway. No clue. Yeah, I just kept calling Ben King Dwight King. So Ben King slash Ben King's family, if you're listening right now, I'm sorry. 
Your name is indeed Ben. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Shake Wing said, Felix, your take on the Canadians trade, and also said, can you explain the Babcock thing in Columbus? So my take on the Canadians trade is I love it because it's he is weaponizing cap space. <laughs> and, I mean, Casey DeSmith was just never going to play for them. They already have goalies, so I love it. The Babcock thing, I don't really feel like talking about it because it's just so cringy, but... The only thing I, the only way I can explain it is it's just malpractice. It's just incompetence. Like these, I mean, people that are in charge with zero accountability up until things actually blow up made a horrible call and it played out exactly how we expected it to. Yeah. Shocker guy that has been known to be abusive to younger players and take advantage of his power and put them in not great situations. Did it again and thought he would get <laughs> away with it. Like it's almost as if that's just who he is. It, it's on it like the thing that's shocking me is like that he didn't think that this would like go bad like, like he thought this was okay like yeah. it is wild to like yes i i'm saying this and i shouldn't be shocked by this because he told us who who he was yeah that nhl and the blue jackets didn't listen <laughs> i'm still shocked that we didn't even make it to training camp i mean and he it could is, not help himself i remember seeing the tweet or the X or whatever, whatever. But I remember seeing the news and thinking, damn, like it actually, I, I didn't think he was going to get the boot. I, I still thought like it was just me just wishful thinking. But the fact that he actually got canned, I think it just says a lot about what, whatever happened. Yeah. And also I do wonder if there was like a clause in his contract of like, Hey, you're on probably you're on watch. Yeah. Uh, Plantridge said, I understand why Zegers' contract could take longer. Zegers betting on himself on the bridge deal, etc. But don't understand why Jamie is taking longer. I assume you'll discuss it, but if you don't, what are the reasons for it? Uh, and we did discuss it, but he said, yeah. uh, how much should it malign sla- Sleepy Verbeeky? I mean, it, we, we talked about it already. Don't want to belabor it, but we just don't know enough to say. Yep. Isaac said, thoughts on whether Regenda and Nestorenko make the team out of camp. Outside of the big names in our prospect pool, we hear so much about. They are the two I'm very excited to see make the big club this year, hopefully. I think they both have a good chance. I mean, they both played NHL games last year. I agree. I think that ideally they both make the team. There's a lot of guys that are vying for those same spots, but I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about Nikita Nestorenko yet. I'm like Fair. not completely. I, I think he's a better use of a roster spot than, I don't know. I I guess there's no more Derek Grant to make fun of, but some something like that. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Like I, I'm so happy about that. By the way, Plantar yeah. said favorite birthday party you had or went to as a kid. Ooh, I can't remember. Also, my monitor just turned off for some reason. Oh, so fun. Can you guys still hear me? Slash. Yep. Yes, I okay. can hear you still. Okay, Fun. I'm, I uh, might have to finish this out without being able to see. Okay, plant and so for me, uh, I remember go. My parents took me and a couple friends to Six Flags, Magic okay. Mountain as a kid. Oh, I laser tag roller coasters, laser tag. There you go. Napa H. He said, "Favorite birthday party you weren't invited to as an adult or kid?" Well, don't know because I wasn't invited. Uh, and second place, Louis said, "Okayest birthday party you had or went to as a kid?" Uh, don't th- this. No, this bit's dead. I'm I'm killing this bit. Um, and it's playing rich. I'm skipping your your next question. Hey, Odiflo said, will Nathan Gauthier be the fourth line center on opening night in Vegas? No, no. Uh, 
Plant Ranch said, if there's one thing you can warn Ducks fans to take in stride this season and not overreact, what would it be? Wow. That is a great question. I would say the first 10 games. The first 10 to 15 games are always overreaction season. And it's really frustrating because we've been waiting for what feels like a decade for the Ducks to play again. And so you want to get your reactions in right away. But let's give it a little bit of time. That first like month or whatever is let's let's show some grace. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mitch Brown's beloved said, when will Dwight Zegris and Dwight Drysdale sign? And do you think they'll have good chemistry with the, some of the upcoming prospects like Dwight Carlson, Dwight Zelliger, and Dwight Minchukov? Also, I've thought about Dwight King. Uh, uh, I've also thought Dwight King would be an AHLer. Do you think he can be anything more than that? Now I'm curious if Dwight King is still playing hockey. Did he retire? No, he's not. No, he's not. He's a former. No, he's oh, damn. When did he retire? So Zegris and Drysdale signed by the weekend. Uh, yes, they will have good chemistry. Uh, ben King is an AHLer. Sure. Isn't, wait, when did Ben King get drafted? Like a Wasn't year it or like two, two ago? years ago? Something like that. So I don't know. Is he going back to junior? Anyway, it doesn't matter. No, he's, he was an, he was drafted as an overager. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Plant Ranch said, what do you think Sleepy Verbeke's go-to mattress brand is? Or I don't know. It, yeah. Uh, I like my Sava mattress. The- so let's go with that. Do the Ducks have a mattress deal? Aren't they no. sponsored by like some mattress company? I don't think so. Wasn't wasn't the wasn't the stream on? I think the stream on Monday had like this mattress thing going on, but I don't know. I think that was a Vegas thing. Okay. Uh, Ferdinand said apparently some quote unquote very reputable sources are saying Zegers is getting traded to the Saber. What's your mocks trade with the Sabers that makes sense for both teams? I'm not entertaining that. Yeah, there's not a mock trade that makes sense because it would be getting it doesn't back make sense sim- for the Ducks to trade Trevor Zegers. No. Um, so. Wait, did Lou had a Lou maybe had a question? No, he didn't. Okay, skipping. He's uh, Melbourne Ducks said in the next three to five years, I can generally see us being a cup contender. Should the current young core stay together and improve? Do you agree? Yes. Yeah, I think that that's what this is all building towards. Yep. Uh, first place, Dajan said, so three years has been agreed on Zegers. That length will cover the ELC of Minchukov, Zellweger, and Carlson. Should the Ducks be more active in using up their salary cap to build Stanley, Stanley Cup contender in the latter two years, especially if Zegers is around 4 to $5 million AAV with the key prospects all on ELCs? Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad point. Yeah, I well, I mean, that. the one thing to keep in mind is Minchukov, if he doesn't play nine games, will have an extra year on that. Carlson will also, if he doesn't play nine games, we'll have an extra year on that. So, okay. um, Lou saying I ruined his bit, which is yes. My question is so sure. Okay. Lou, I did it for you. Um, <laughs> moving on. Got oh, a question. We have a really good question in the chat right now. Okay. Can I just address um, this right now? We have one Twitter questions. Then you can address it. Okay. Uh, this comes from hockey South said, Hey, Jake, looking forward to tonight's pod. Will the goals be an AHL powerhouse next year with Carlson, Gauthier, Zellweger, Minchukov, and Hines? Eyes on SD this year for me. I mean, if we don't know where Leo Carlson is going to play yet. Yeah. If he's in San Diego, the goals should have a competitive team. Very, very competitive. Okay. okay. So now we'll go to Twitch and YouTube. You all know the spiel. Go to twitch.tv slash Uh Subscribe to the channel. If you have Amazon Prime, one free Twitch, Twitch Prime sub. Each and every month helps what more than you can imagine. Be, be like uh, Blue Eagle, 
who last week subscribed with Prime. Thank you so much. That's our good friend, Derek. Uh, love you, buddy. Uh, and uh, Or you can go to YouTube, youtube.com slash Crash Pond. I know everyone has a YouTube account. You're listening to this. Go to youtube.com slash Crash Pond. Like, subscribe to the videos, even if you're not watching them there. So, Ducks on YouTube asks a great question. This last season was my first time tuning into the pod, and so I want to know, what is the inside joke about Jack Kopaka? Did Felix think he was a really good prospect or something? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked this because we have been doing this long enough now to where some of the inside jokes may fall completely flat because people just started listening more recently. I don't like. I don't think about Jack Kopaka. Jack Kopaka. Oh, I know not, exactly where it started. He does not enter my mind, but our good friend Green Bastard is his screen name. Just loves to remind me about channel. him for some reason. Just loves to bring him up for whatever he reason. Was, so when we started the Discord, for whatever reason, Green Bastard loved Jack Kopaka. Yeah. Because, and he's admitted this, because he thinks his name is cool. And yeah. the thing is, Felix has gone on to hate Jack Kopaka so much that it's just become a running bit. Because he that, just asks me about him all the time. And it's just like, I don't, I don't think about ECHLers. I don't, I don't think about second division Sweden players. I, I don't think about them. And so he knows it annoys Felix and decides to rib him with the question every time. But yeah, it's become a bit. It's yeah. a. I'm I'm glad we're letting people know. We should probably update people on bits more often. So if people else... have question on any bits, let us know. Yeah, more than happy to explain them. Uh, let's see. Roots twenty in our Twitch chat said, "Question: uh, Who was the brilliant genius that rated Leo Carlson as an average skater, and why does he not have any scouting credentials whatsoever?" No, I think that so, Roots. I think that that is a apt description yeah. like i think that that is more on the ball than what we saw pre-draft which is oh he's slow blah 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 not agile like average to me is about right for for leo carlson now maybe you could argue that he could end up being above average but i think right now like he's right there and hey if you're an nhl average skater i just want to point out that means you're really freaking good at skating like yeah like to be an average nhl skater you have to be like amazing at skating. So anyway, just just pointing that out because it, it's not it's not a demerit to say oh he's an average skater. Like yeah. sure it's it's not a glowing. You don't want to be told you're average, but like I think in Leo Carlson's case, given everything else he has, as Mitch said, like that's all he really needs to 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 hit that potential. Yeah, we have a bunch in YouTube, so I'll just kind of blitz through them right now. Ducks said, are the Ducks bad enough to land Cole Iserman? I have not looked at this upcoming draft. I don't know if you have, but. I'm asking that I mean, in case you basically, have. the question is asking, are the Ducks going to be bad enough to pick in the top three? Because that's where Cole Eiserman is, is well, ranked right now. I don't think so. I mean, it's Macklin Celebrini, Cole Eiserman, and Ivan Demidov. And I, I think that the Ducks would have to really, really disappoint to, to be in that range again. Yeah. Matt said, uh, question, is Jake the only person to come in the world who could co- go to Hawaii and come back without a tan and possibly whiter than he left? Damn. I will have the record stand, the record show. I got a tan. You can kind of, can you see on my arm? I don't know. It's the lighting. I, I look in the mirror and what I'm you definitely gotta do tanner. Is, what you got to do is show us the line of your, your waistband. Oh, like the, I can. I don't know if people want to. Oh, okay. That's pretty significant. Jake yeah. is showing me a watch tan for those who can't see. Yeah, I've got a watch. There's your proof. There's your proof. There's the proof. Proof that I did get a tag. Why is Lou tagging me in the chat for no reason? Why are we playing (laughs) tag? Is this recess? 
Why are we playing tag? <laughs> Duck said, uh, do you guys think that Verbeek sees this rebuild extending another two plus years? And no. for clarification, as in, does this push uh, to start truly climbing the standings begin within two years as Verbeek won a couple more top five picks? No, I think I think this is the last year of like no expectations. I mean or like I th- minimal expectations. Oh, I think there are I think there's expectations to be better this year. Well, they're minimal. Like I'm just saying, like there's no no one is saying so, the P word. No one is saying playoffs. Like like that's what do you think the expectation is this season for points from the management perspective? I think it's to get in that like seventy seventy range. I think seventy five to eighty is probably what they're hoping for. Yeah, but like but that to me isn't really quote unquote expectations. Like it's more just Hey, well, we want to see improvement. I mean, that's where they finished two years ago when they were in the playoff race up until right before the deadline. I, I understand. What I'm just trying to say is that when people say, does this team have expectations? What they usually mean is, is this team going to push for the playoffs? Fair. And yeah. the, I don't think the Ducks are there yet. I agree with your point that, yes, they, of course, have internal expectations. And I would agree that 70-point range is fair, but... Yeah, I think they're a year away from like, hey, we're expecting to push for the yeah. playoffs. I mean, I actually, I mean, here's don't do what it. I think. Don't don't do it. No, I'm not gonna do that. Don't, don't do it. Me. I'm not you, doing. You've that. been burned before. Don't. I'm do not it. Do, No, I'm not doing that. Here's what okay. I was doing. Okay. Do you remember the very first Beaker? No. Yes. Paver, no? The the very first Paver Beak pod when I think he was asked about what his expectation was. Uh huh. And he said, "I expected us to be closer to 500." Okay. I think that he probably has that same view of this team. Well, 41 points is what? 82 points? Or 41 41 wins is 82 points? Correct. So, so he probably expects them to be in the 80 to 82 point range. Yeah. I mean, maybe a, maybe a tick lower after last year. But well, if he thinks last, if that was his expectation for the team and he thought Dallas Akins was a major issue with the team, he brings in his guy. I would think that the expectations should be similar. Okay. So, uh, last one left said question. Will Kalorn bring Stamkos to Anaheim next season? I mean, I don't know. It's going to cost. No. no. I haven't looked at that situation. I don't know. Nope. Not going to happen. So, I just don't know. Uh, I think that's going to do it for questions. Uh, I mean, just... what do you think of Roots 20 says, how much more of a bit is Davis T-Bone Cod? How much more hashtag generational is that name? Davis Cod is a great name. Davis T-Bone Cod. That's pretty funny that that's his nickname. Yep. So I think that's going to do it, though. Anything else you want to add? Uh, No. No, I think I'm just excited. Just excited that it's it's becoming time to actually watch games to, to see what these players look like. The layoff has been long. Hopefully fingers crossed the next time we record a podcast, we've got new contracts to talk about signed by players that wear number 11, number six. How will you feel if there's no contract next podcast? So here's my view. I think that, I, oh, let me put it this way. I think that, Zegris and Drysdale really need about a week and a half before the season begins to really get up to speed. The first week of training camp probably is not super important. Sure. In an ideal world, they're there the whole time, but the season starts what? I think three weeks from this weekend, right? I think October 13th is the first uh, season opener or the 14th. Mm-hmm. So we're three weeks away. So if next podcast they haven't signed, sure. I might be mildly annoyed, 
but I don't really think it's that big of a deal overall. I think if we start getting into two pods from now, they're not signed, then it starts becoming more of a concern because we're within two weeks of that game. Honestly, this is just my opinion. This is not about my analysis. This is not relating to my analysis of the situation. But I think if they can't get this done by training camp, like the day it starts, it's a failure. Like, that's just my opinion. But I think it's a failure. Like, this just, there's no reason for this to still be dragging on. They had the entire summer. I just don't, I don't view this in a positive light if we're still dragging Fair. it on for another week. I no, just, I, I, I just don't. Like I said, not ideal. But everyone, I, everyone I has failed. Everyone has failed. If, if, if it's still going fair, we don't know who it would have been, but I think just the GM being in the position to end it whenever he wants, I would be more blaming him. But again, we don't know what's going on. Now I get back into the analytical mode, but I would be, I'll be a little miffed if it's not done. Anyway, yep. fair enough. Okay. Well, on that note, we're going to head out of here. Uh, if you want to help support the podcast, there's a few really easy ways to do that. The number one way is to check us out on Patreon. Joining that community is really the bedrock of our show. It's kind of what keeps everything going strong. Uh, for $1 a month, you get access to our Discord community. And that is honestly just the best place to be right now, especially with uh, Twitter being in flux. And we don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, it sounds like now they might start charging people just to be on Twitter, which... <laughs> Like, imagine paying just to be on Twitter. No, who is going to do that? Anyway, point being, for a dollar a month, uh, I think that that is a much better deal. You actually get to connect with people that are diehard fans, and you get to help support our show. So that's for $1. For $5, you get access to two bonus podcasts a month, which we plan on recording here in the, in the last 10 days of the month. Um, and so that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond. You can also leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, those go a really long way, and uh, it only takes a couple minutes. And if you do leave us a review, we will read it out loud on the show. We love hearing from you guys. It's just uh, it's always very validating to hear from, from y'all. Now, you can also leave us a rating on Spotify. You can also leave feedback on Spotify, and we're always seeking feedback, whether it's good or bad. Let us know how we're doing. You can do it there. Uh, find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. We post the podcast there. And as you saw today, got a little video up. Going to try to do more of those videos. So I don't know how often they're going to be, how frequent, but I personally love doing them. And if you guys like watching them, I mean, subscribe to the channel, give it a thumbs up. We're trying to grow that. So check us out there. Um, also check out our website, crashthepond.com. Follow Jake on Twitter at reindeergames91. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. And on that note, thank you for listening, everyone. As I'm being slandered in our chat. I don't know what's going on there. I'm being accused of being a Kings fan. Don't know what that's about. Anyway, thank you for listening, folks. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.